0: And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. And a very blessed and joyous Christmas to all of you. Jesus is still the reason for the season. In his second of three Christmas messages, Pastor Elliot continues his look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. There we will see that the first Christmas certified Jesus Christ to be God. And now with our message is our own Pastor Robert Elliott.
1: Paul Harvey, the radio commentator, talked about an aging farmer who had become jaded in his faith, as often happens to those who allow the snows of pessimism and the ice of cynicism to invade their lives. He finally became unbearable to live with, And he isolated himself, disconnected from his family and friends and neighbors. It took a never-to-be-forgotten experience by this jaded farmer to jar the old man free from his self-imposed solitary confinement and to draw him back to the one from whom he had run a decade previous. One raw winter night, the man heard... "'an irregular thumping sound "'against the kitchen storm door of his farmhouse. "'He went to a window and watched "'his tiny, shivering sparrows, "'attracted to the evident warmth inside, "'beat in vain against the glass. "'Touched, the farmer bundled up "'and trudged through the snow "'to open the barn for the struggling birds. "'He turned on the lights, "'tossed some hay in a corner, "'and sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers "'to direct them to the barn.' But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, still hid in the darkness. They were afraid of him. He tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing the cracker crumbs in the air toward them, retreating into his house to see if they would flutter into the barn on their own. Nothing worked. He, a huge alien creature, had terrified them, and the birds could not understand that he actually desired to help them. So he withdrew into his farmhouse and watched the doomed sparrows through a window. And as he stared, a thought hit him like lightning from a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment. Then, then I wouldn't frighten them so I could show them the way to warmth and safety. And at the same time, another thought dawned on him. He grasped the whole principle of the Incarnation. A man's becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. The concept of Christmas comes each year to draw people in from the cold of their self-appointed exiles. This Christmas, I invite you to join me in meditating on the fact that Jesus Christ's Incarnation revealed God in the flesh referring to the incarnate Christ Jesus Colossians 1:15 states and he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation you see Jesus Christ is the exact likeness the brass rubbing the carbon copy the pencil tracing of invisible God this is why Jesus said If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. If you behold me, you behold the Father. If you know me, you know the Father. If you believe me, you believe the Father. If you receive me, you receive the Father. If you hate me, you hate the Father. If you honor me, you honor the Father. Do you know what? It is amazing. But some people claim that Jesus Christ never claimed to be God. Some people allege that Jesus Christ never presented himself as being equal with God. But that is wrong. That is contrary to the biblical accounts. Jesus Christ claimed to be God because Jesus Christ is God. And the Pharisees and the religious Jews that were disbelieving in Christ of his day picked up stones to stone him to death as a blasphemer because they understood that he was claiming equality with God. So I say it again, brothers and sisters, this Christmas, why don't we meditate on the mind-boggling fact that Jesus' incarnation perfectly and completely revealed eternal, immortal, invisible, omniscient, omnipresent, incomprehensible, intangible, unapproachable, holy God. And Christ did so in human flesh. With the angels, we ought to say, glory to God in the highest. The first fact then, leading to godliness for those who will believe it, is the incarnation, God becoming man. The second fact, leading to godliness for those who will believe it, is vindication. That is, Jesus being certified as true God by God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Christmas is also about Christ being certified by God the Father working through God the Holy Spirit. Christmas is about Jesus Christ being certified to be God, the world's only Savior, the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament messianic prophecies. And just how did God the Father certify Jesus to be the Messiah that first Christmas night? Well, the Holy Spirit deployed a band of angels in a mission in Earth's atmosphere right above Palestine. Yes, the Holy Spirit deployed a heavenly angel messenger with an almost blinding light, a glorious light show And he came and they came, those angels, to ordinary, blue-collar, societally shunned shepherds. Men who were raising lambs on the outskirts of Jerusalem to be slaughtered in obedience to the Jewish law on festival occasions. That's who God sent his angels to. That's who first heard the good news that Messiah has been born. Do not be afraid, they said, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then that angelic entourage, too many to count, Scripture calls them a host of angels, And this massive angelic choir sang out that first Christmas night, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. That, my friends, was a divine vindication of divinity. But it didn't stop there. The Holy Spirit also vindicated Christ or certified Jesus to be the Savior at Christ's baptism. Remember, the Spirit descended upon Jesus in the River Jordan, looking like a dove. And the booming voice of God the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then there was a certification of Christ being the Messiah on the Mount of Transfiguration. On that occasion, after Jesus had shone pure white for Peter, James, and John, and after Moses and Elijah had appeared as well, the Holy Spirit directed a cloud to appear, and the voice of God the Father again rang out with the strong and clear words This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And then there was a the certification of Jesus. As being truly God and the Savior and his bodily resurrection from the dead. Romans 1 verses 3 and 4 attest to this by stating concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the son of God by power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. We're seeing that repeatedly. God the Father, using God the Holy Spirit, vindicated Jesus Christ as the God-man, as the Messiah, as the world's only Savior to be offered by God. And lastly, Jesus Christ was vindicated or declared legitimately God the Son and the only Savior of sinners at his ascension back to his Father's right hand, side in heaven. It happened 40 days after the resurrection and Acts 1 6 through 6-11 reports exactly what happened.
0: Sit back, listen up for a short Christmas devotional we'd like to share with you.
1: I have a Christmas devotional for you. It's titled Mary Had a Little Lamb. It's by Dr. Mark Hitchcock adjunct professor in Bible exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Mary had a little lamb. The best-known, best-loved nursery rhyme of all time is undoubtedly, Mary had a little lamb. Someone has poignantly rephrased the verse as a vivid reminder of who Jesus is and why he came. Mary had a little lamb, his life was pure as snow, and everywhere the father led, the lamb was sure to go. He followed him to Calvary, one dark and dreadful day, and there the lamb that Mary had washed all my sins away. The story of Mary's lamb didn't begin in the manger in Bethlehem. It didn't even begin on earth. It began in heaven before God hung the world in its place. The Bible says Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. The entire sacrificial system in the Mosaic law was a huge canvas that pictures man's need for an innocent substitute to die in his place. Jesus was the Lamb of God from the beginning of His Incarnation. He was born in a stable, laid in a feeding trough, and visited first by shepherds. When you think about it, the Bible is the story of God's Lamb. Someone has said that the entire Bible can be summarized in three great statements about the Lamb. During the Old Testament times, the nagging question was, where is the lamb? See Genesis chapter 22, verse 7. In the Gospels and Epistles, the proclamation is, behold the lamb. See John chapter 1, verse 29. And in the consummation, the cry is, worthy is the lamb. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. Christmas is, is a magical time of giving, singing, celebration, and family. But may we never forget the reason Jesus came. He was born as Mary's little lamb to die for you and me and to wash all our sins away. Let us pray. Precious Lamb of God, thank you for coming to earth living sinless amongst us, voluntarily laying down your life, shedding your blood so that our sins could be washed away, so that the animal sacrificial system of the Old Testament could be culminated and completed. Lord, we pray that we would learn to love you as the lamb for sinners slain and the one that one day Everyone will say, Worthy is the Lamb. Lord, help us to say, Behold the Lamb, and worthy is the Lamb, not only with our lips, but also with our lives this Christmas season. For we pray these things in the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ's precious name.
0: Amen. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers.
2: Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to continue in our series, The Problem with Christmas. Again, as we think of Christmas, it is a popular time of year, a popular time for kids to get lost in malls, and popular time for kids to look at the decorations, like to look at lights, and there's a lot of attention on kids as we consider buying gifts. We've all seen it, right? The mother... It's running from aisle to aisle, screaming the game of a lost cat child. As it's crazy in the shopping malls, and we can't find them, and it's all these things going on. First, there's a kid who lost, and he doesn't know where, where to turn. Second, there's a kid who lost but hasn't figured it out yet. And you know they're the kind of kid that's so consumed with whatever shiny object is currently occupying their attention that they're totally oblivious to their mom screaming their name. And then third, there's that kid who could really care less. He's having a blast hiding from his mom and, and just having a great time when to everyone else it's funny, but to the mom it's a problem because she can't find her kid. I ask you, which type of kid are you? Are you the kid that gets so caught up in, so afraid that you're lost that you you don't know where to turn? Or are you the kid so caught up in what's you know going on that you don't see what's around you and, and you could care less you know you, you don't hear your mom calling your name or are you the kid? who really could care less. I ask that because I think that as we consider which kid are you, we need to remember what we have looked at already last, in the last two weeks. And when we kicked off our series, we looked at the big story of the Bible that took a journey through the Old Testament and discovered a merciful God, so full of love and compassion that He kept His promises. That while we were still lost in our sin, He came to earth to be with us and to save us. And we considered all the plot and we considered where we have come from as God created the world and Adam and Eve sinned and then he sent the kings, the judges and all these things and we looked at the whole plot. But when we consider the scripture and we consider as we we talked about before, we talked about how God sent the prophets, the prophets to tell of the story of God, Emmanuel coming to earth. We talked about how we see that In Scripture. And we look at some of the prophets, and we look at Isaiah, who was probably one of the most quoted prophets during Christmas time. And we look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and it says this Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And as we looked last week, we saw how Emmanuel means God with us. You see, the arrival of Jesus on the scene was the first part of God's mission to rescue humanity from his sin, from his brokenness, from itself. But we look at the big story of the Bible and it becomes clear that Jesus didn't just come to the earth to be born. He also came to die. He came to this earth not to just be born in, as a, as a ma- in the manger and to live a life that was perfect and to you know be loved by everyone and everyone was attracted to Him and everyone wanted to be with Him and everyone learned lessons from him and and they did what he said, we see that's completely different from the story. We see that's completely different from the plot. We see uh, as Jesus walked the face of the earth, he was perfect, never sinned, but yet people didn't like him. He did a lot of miracles. People followed him, but some of them were just following him because of what he did, not for who he was. You see, I think too many times in, in our lives, we, we look at these people tonight in scripture and we think, wow, they had no sense. How could they not see it? But the reality is, is that we're like this all the time. We're like this because we have the scriptures. We see what God has done and we see how he continues to work today. But yet we lose so much faith and hope sometimes. Yet sometimes we put our hands up and like, what am I going to do? When we have a God who is available to us at all times to, to talk to. You see, God came to the earth to die. And as we consider that, we consider Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 5, and it says this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we, in return, regard him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and, he, and we are healed by his wounds. You see, this tiny little baby in that tiny little manger wasn't born so we could have a reason to get lots of cool presents every December. He was born to bear the weight of sin we couldn't bear. He was born to be hated, punished, pierced, crushed, and ultimately killed. So that we could be saved, and He did it all by choice. His sacrifice was a gift we didn't deserve. The God who made you decided long ago that He would do anything to save you. The Christmas story is His big reveal. It's the plot twist where God finally tells us what He's been up to all along. You see, when we consider what this the Scriptures are selling us here, we consider what Christ has gone, what He has done, as He as He has come to to die for us. We have a hope. We have a hope because Christ has come to save us. Even though we rejected him, even though we wanted nothing to do with him, He knew what he came to do. And his purpose was, as we looked at last week, was to die for us. this little baby in a manger. You know, we started off talking about those kids, the lost kids in the mall. And I guess as we consider and we want to look at scripture in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And it says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let me read that again. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. You see, the story of Christmas is the story of God refusing to give up on us. It's the story of our Creator continuing to seek us out when we are lost and even when we are not seeking Him in return. Again, as I started off talking about these kids who have been lost, again I asked you, what type of kid are you? The ones who know they're lost, the ones who haven't yet figured it out that they're lost, or the one who know they're lost, but they don't really care. You see, I think that when we consider our lives and we consider what Christ has done, that, as we have just read, He has come to seek and save the lost. You see, we were all lost. For those who don't know Christ is the Lord and Savior, you are still lost. And that is where this comes in. Do you care that you're lost? You know, I I hear people say all the time, especially young people, well, you know what? I'm going to give my life over to God when I get older. You know, I want to live my life now. You know, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want, you know, to hear all this Christian stuff. I want to live my life now. I'm going to do it when I get older. You see, the reality is that no one knows when their time has come. No one knows when it's the last time for them. No one knows that when it's, we've been wandering so long that we just wandered on this path and it just becomes how we live. You see, we don't know when we get caught up in the crowd that we shouldn't get caught in to what may happen. Or we don't know what may happen on the streets. So I want to challenge you. If you're lost, I challenge you to come to Christ. I want to challenge you to recognize that if you don't know Jesus, or you're not sure what you think about him, I want you to think about which of those lost kids you are. Do you think you're far from God? Do you ever feel a little spiritually lost? You see, we need to understand when we're, when we're far from God, we're spiritually lost. We often feel spiritually starved. And then we don't want nothing to do with God. So I would challenge you, again, as, as we look at the problem of Christmas, that we would recognize that the greatest gift that we could ever have is God and what He has done for us on the cross as it was prophesied in Isaiah. As we go back to the beginning because of Adam and Eve we needed a Savior and that is what he came to do. This is Pastor Nicholas and another edition of U Talk. We want to conclude this Echoes of Calvary
1: broadcast with a Puritan prayer. The Puritan prayer the all good. My God thou hast helped me to see that whatever good be in honor and rejoicing how good is he who gives them and and withdraw them, that blessedness does not lie so much in receiving good from and in thee, but in holding forth thy glory and virtue, that it is an amazing thing to see deity, in creature, speaking, acting, filling, shining through it, that nothing is good but thee, that I am near good when I am near thee. that to be like thee is a glorious thing. this is my magnet my attraction. Thou art all my good in times of peace, my only support in days of trouble, my one sufficiency when life shall end. Help me to see how good thy will is in all, and even when it crosses mine, teach me to be pleased with it. Grant me to feel thee in fire and food and every providence, and to see that thy many gifts and creatures are but thy hands and fingers, taking hold of me, thou bottomless fountain of all good, I give myself to thee out of love, for all I have or own is thine, my goods, family, church, self, to do with as thou wilt, to honor thyself by me and by all mine. If it be consistent with thy eternal counsels, the purpose of thy grace and the great ends of thy glory, Then bestow upon me the blessings of thy comforts. If not, let me resign myself to thy wiser determinations.
0: Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Today, our worship service begins at 10.30 a.m. in the sanctuary located at 62 Collins Avenue. We invite you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or write us at P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a Savior.